Hey everybody, it's Chris. If you're a sports fan like me, or you're just a fan of a great story, you gotta check out Press Box Access, a sports history podcast hosted by Todd Jones. Todd sits down with fellow sports writers who experienced firsthand some of the biggest sports moments of the past 50 years, and they share some of the stories behind the stories, some of which they've only told to each other. What I personally love are the wild stories that you might not hear so much about on SportsCenter over the years. Like when Indiana-based sports journalist Bob Kravitz recounts the time Bobby Knight showed up naked to an office meeting with him and then banned him from the Hoosiers' locker room for the next three years because Bob wrote a story he didn't like. Or when Alexander Wolfe tells a story about going out on the town in Chicago with Dennis Rodman and Carmen Electra in the middle of a Bulls playoff series. Or when Dan Wetzel talks about what it was like to be in the media room when Temple basketball coach John Chaney stormed into UMass coach John Calipari's press conference after a game and threatened to kill him. These wild and fun stories, paired with stories about real sports greatness, you know, like the 1970s Steelers being the greatest NFL dynasty ever, or the legendary rivalry between Larry Bird and Magic Johnson, and even the impact of protests for social justice issues in sports, make Pressbox Access a show you should check out. Pressbox Access is part of the Evergreen Podcast family, and it's available all the places you get your pods, and you can also find Pressbox Access on YouTube. Go check it out. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Well, I don't know. Everyone has a podcast now. Well, not really. What is true is that, according to Nielsen statistics, 55% of the U.S. population, that's over 155 million people, have listened to a podcast, and 24% of the population, that's 68 million people, listen to podcasts weekly. And these numbers continue to trend upward. What's also true is that over 75% of all podcasts fade away after the first few episodes. It could be for a variety of reasons, lack of strong concept, poor production value, people not realizing how much time needs to be dedicated to it, or simply just not knowing how to get the word out about podcasts. That's where WeKnowPodcasting.com comes in. At WeKnowPodcasting.com, we have a combined 25 years of podcast experience, and we can help you achieve your podcasting goals. Whether you need help starting a new podcast or want to take your currently active podcast to the next level, we got you. From consultations to concept development, from theme music to editing, promotion, animation, graphics, you name it and we're here to help. Don't become another failed podcast statistic. Let us guide you and help your show become a success. Check out the website at WeKnowPodcasting.com and even if you're on the fence, don't hesitate to reach out. We're friendly guys, we're passionate about pods, and we're here to help. Following his dismissal from Kaja Gugu, lead vocalist Lamal was gifted a song by the father of disco to be the theme of an iconic kids' fantasy film. Chasing Fletcher Allen co-writer and star Heidi Cox joins us this week to discuss the swamps of sadness, rock biters, and Lamal's catchy theme, The NeverEnding Story. 
啊啊啊啊啊啊啊啊啊！He got very dirty and sweaty before he met Falcor, going through the swamps of sadness with Artex. One of the worst parts of the movie, but also the most moving. We got to talk about <laughs> that scene. I see、yes. that referenced as the most traumatic point of so many people's childhood, and we might as well just talk about it right off the bat. To <laughs> <laughs> get it out it, of the way.、Uh, yeah, is a、uh, Treyu watching? What was this horse's name? Artex. Artex watching Artex sink. In the swamp of sadness, the was that what it was called? Swamps of sadness, yes.、Yeah. On their、yeah. way to see the ancient one. What a weird movie! First of all, <laughs> it's the what best a, though. It is good. It is really good, but so strange that it was so normal、uh, <laughs> as a kid. I didn't realize what a crazy movie that was. One of the and and I I have to say this right off the start here one of the worst sequels I've ever seen to a movie too. Oh yes. R.I.P. Jonathan Brandis and everything, but what a terrible sequel to the movie. But amazing original movie, and it had an amazing soundtrack, obviously. And once again, that's a song we're talking about today, sung by Limal, who was a one-hit wonder, kind of, kind of a one-hit wonder. Well, I mean, he was solo, right? Like, because he went,、yes. he got, did he kick? He got kicked out of his band or something. They were like, "Get out!" He he got kicked out. So I didn't realize how short the time frame was <laughs> until I did research. <laughs> But he joined the band. So this is the time frame I found. He joined. Was it Kaja Gugu? I think、right. is how it's pronounced.、Mm-hmm. He joined that band. Had a chance encounter with Nick Rhodes of Duran Duran and convinced him. To produce their first single, "Too Shy," that was released in January of 1983, and he was kicked out of the band by the middle of 1983. Wow! And already starting his solo career by 1984. What happened? I didn't. I, I guess it's probably none of our business. But well, so I did a little bit of research on that too because I was like, that is a really short time frame. His press release was, "I've been betrayed by my family." Like that's how he felt、wow. about everything. He said they were upset that I made them successful, <laughs> but the band said that the musical direction was just he wanted to do. The way they said it was, we just wanted to play tunes, and he wanted to be in the bright lights of celebritydom. So I don't know、mm. if that necessarily means like he was a diva, or if that literally means like, hey, like we formed this band and we were content just playing tunes, and he wanted to be way more bigger than we were. You know what I think it was, Matt. What I think the rest of the band was too shy. Me 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 me. I mean, he really had a drive for 
performing under names that are really hard to pronounce. Yeah, Kajagugu. Right? I mean, it sounds like he had a real whirlwind. He had the hit with Too Shy by Kajagugu. Within two years, he wrote the theme song to, I mean, Matt, you might know. Heidi, maybe you know, too. I actually don't know. So I was a kid. I love Never Ending Story, but I don't remember it being in theaters and stuff. I just remember mm. it always being on TV. Was this mm -hmm. a movie that became popular after the fact or was it popular upon release? Because I don't know. All of the above, I think. I mean, I didn't see it in the theater either. I don't think I even saw it on a big screen until three or four years ago when Jonathan and I went to Senespia, which is a thing here in L.A. where they project, you know, classic movies on the mausoleum at the Hollywood Forever Cemetery. That was the first time I'd seen it on a big screen, but I think it was pretty popular. It was definitely during a time where something as weird as this was making money. Because you have to remember that this was like, the year before this was Kroll, the year after this was Labyrinth, mm -hmm. Dark Crystal was somewhere. Like mm -hmm. early 80s to like 86 was prime time for like, Fantasy. fantasy film for kids mm -hmm. like, yeah. this is I mean, so yeah. much better than labyrinth oh, oh wow i, I don't know <laughs> look that's like, a hot take <laughs> i like both i like both so much in different ways for different reasons but i just remember being a little girl and wanting to like pull my hair back so tight as tight as i possibly could so i could look like the childlike empress and I can't remember her name, but I follow her on Twitter, and I think she follows me back now. Tammy something. What is her name? What I'm is the name? Right now she's such a she's very sweet. I'm but, talking about um, in the movie. In the movie, oh, what's the name? Well, he has to give her a new name. But we don't know her old name. Is it like it's Star Child or something like that? Moon Moon, moon Child. Something. Yeah, something like that. Very hippie. Very hippie. Moon Child. His mother, his mother who passed away, who he lost, and he's grieving. So he locks himself in the attic and of the school and reads the book. His mother's name is Moonchild? I think it was something like that. I'm going to actually, if y'all his, his dad, a.k.a. Gerald McRaney, was, named yes. to, was married to a woman named Moonchild. Is that what we're supposed to believe in this movie? He seems too, like, stuffy for that, doesn't he? Yeah. Tammy. Tammy Stornak. Oh, gosh. So I'll probably tweet about this podcast when it's released. So, Tammy, I'm sorry. I got your name wrong when I first. <laughs> but I, we also got to get a Labyrinth versus NeverEnding Story poll going here. She's so sweet, though. I love her. So don't get me wrong. I think that NeverEnding Story is probably a better made movie all around, but... Man, I like the songs in Labyrinth are really good. The puppeteer, like that has some of the strangest puppeteering. There's that scene where she falls down the door and it's just all hands yeah. forming faces with their hands the and talking to like, There's some trippy shit in Labyrinth. David Bowie's <laughs> crotch. Yeah, I mean, that's oh, the yeah. most impressive puppet Jim Henson's ever put together, to be fair. But like, I, I adore I adore Labyrinth. Labyrinth is great. Yeah, that's a good one. I think they're equally good, like I said, for different reasons. I mean, the soundtrack to Neverending Story is really good, too. It was funny. I was my friend Stephanie Prisman, when she got married, she had this really cool like DJ DJing the whole reception, including when we were just having dinner. And he like threw in some of the. You know, like the the score from the movie, and you're like, oh my god! You're going na -da 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 while you're eating, like, and I'm like, oh my god, that's right, the score is really good too. It's very, 
Whimsical. I just, the day before, or two days before we're recording this, I DJed my best friend's wedding for him. And on the playlist was the newfound glory version of the never ending story theme oh, yeah. for during dinner. So I played all two minutes and 17 seconds of that at why, some point during the wedding. Why would you play the newfound glory version? Just, that was just, his request. Just the question. That was his why request. would you play the actual version? I <laughs> queued up the actual one in case he made a typo. And I checked. He's like, now we just really like the, the newfound glory cover. Wow. It's like, all okay. right. This guy, this guy that was DJing, <laughs> DJing Stephanie's wedding, he was like mixing everything all together. It was very fancy what he was doing, but it was cool. It was really cool. So I love Labyrinth too for different reasons. There, I think there's like, Frank Oz or some sort of puppeteering going on in Neverending Story as well. And it had to have been, I don't know, maybe not ILM. I feel like but anything with puppets, they had to pull from some of the Henson, Henson company. Yeah, because yeah. you've got Falcor and you've got the ancient one that looks like a giant turtle. The rock eater. Uh, the <laughs> oh, rock yeah. biter. He's amazing. Yeah. I love that rock biter. He's so sweet. Did you ever see the really bad third Neverending Story movie There's with Jack Black? third one? No. There's a third no. one where Jack Black is the bully. No. And and Rockbiter has a son and they have a whole sequence where they sing Born to be Wild. I <laughs> That's a hard pass for me. It's um, awful. I'm ready to start on my on my uh, Neverending Story 4 script. You've con- you've convinced <laughs> me. I'm ready. <laughs> two, so, two was the worst thing I've ever seen. Two, I have yeah. it. I'm looking at. Two was at, awful. Yeah, and I have a a two pack that I bought at like Walmart in a five dollar bin like fifteen <laughs> years ago that has one and two. Why would you put two in a package with one? Is the question? Yeah, I don't remember a ton from the Neverending Story two, but like I remember how disappointed I was when I watched it, and you know. You can bring me in with Jonathan Brandis. I'll, I like him. I'll go in there and, and check that out. But it was such a bummer. That kid from Neverending Story, did he ever make another movie? Let me look. I have the IMDb up right I wonder now. if he did. Bastion. Bastion, Barrett, yeah. Barrett Oliver, he it looks like he has done some like production work. And he was in Cocoon in 88. Oh. And right. Cocoon, oh, Cocoon, the return and Cocoon in 85. I don't see a whole lot after that. So Dang. maybe not. Not even after in, that emotional performance. I mean, he did like some location managing in 2001. Uh, maybe, for, maybe acting just wasn't for him. Like he's a good actor for sure. But maybe he was just like, nah, I like the behind the scenes stuff more. Or maybe he just knew he couldn't top that performance. Maybe he was one and done. <laughs> Peace, I'm out. I made the Peace never ending story. People are going to watch <laughs> this movie forever. And talk about it forever and make references to to it forever. So, look, bring, bringing it back around to this song, <laughs> we're, I feel like right. we're, we're we're getting out we're getting out in the woods a little bit here. This song is one of those songs, which I talked to you guys about this before, but along the lines of the Ducktales theme song or the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles theme song, or maybe even Inspector Gadget, where I like to pretend that it's just a song and there's no. <laughs> There's no show or movie that has anything to do with it. It just it, could you imagine if DuckTales was just a song that I wrote and I showed to you guys and you're like, wait a minute, what? What are you are you saying DuckTales? And that yeah, yeah, DuckTales, of course. <laughs> this song, whereas those songs are very specific, this song actually kind of you know, if there wasn't a movie called Neverending Story, it still could kind of work. When I'm looking at the lyrics, you know, 
I mean, a never-ending story, that could just be the referencing, I don't know, the history of humankind or something, or the history of imagination or something. Mm-hmm. Because you look at the lyrics, it's turn around, look at what you see in her face, the mirror of your dreams. Make believe I'm everywhere, given in the light, written on the pages is the answer to a never-ending story. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> the never-ending story. I think it's ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, yeah. ah, uh, is uh, it? Uh, actually, okay. yeah, yeah. it does say ah. Uh. I remembered it as oh, but it was written for the movie. It was not written by Lamal though, who is um, AKA Chris Hamill. It was written by Keith Forsey and Giorgio Moroder. Sorry, Giorgio. Apparently, he Giorgio was one that wrote like uh, some stuff for Donna Summer. And mm. I think he, yeah, he wrote Flash, the Flashdance theme song. And Don't You Forget About Me by Simple Minds. No. Yes. Are you serious? Says. That's what it says. I mean. Whoa. That's pretty I awesome. Got, yeah, it's kind of cool. Yeah. So he just performed it. But he, I mean, he did a great job. And I think actually one of the other cool things that I read was that the woman who sang backup with him, Beth, Beth Anderson. Anderson. I was about to say, we need to give her a shout out because for the longest time, I just thought this was a female singer because I felt like her vocals are so much more prominent mm-hmm. in my head throughout most of the song. And she didn't even get a credit. And she wasn't the in the music video. The, no. There was another woman that lip synced to her part. Yeah, the they video. grabbed a random backup dancer from his touring band and made her the female vocalist in the music video. I mean, wow. I, you know what? I, I get it as an indie filmmaker. When you got to get something shot, you got to get a shot. If Beth wasn't there, <laughs> you know what I mean? You just kind of. Got to work with what you have, but but yeah. So I thought that was really interesting. Oh, and the other thing that I learned: the way that the song fades in and fades out is also supposed to represent that it's never ending, because it just keeps oh, going. Oh, nice, mm-hmm. love it. <laughs> that song. That's some good songwriting right there. I love it. <laughs> hey, this song. What this song peaked at number seventeen on June fifteenth of nineteen eighty five, and man, oh man. The charts were packed full of songs from movies at that time because at that time, the number three song, which I can't believe this song was number three, was Axel F from Beverly Hills Cop, which was an instrumental. Chris, I think that song made it to number one. Wow. I think the Beverly Hills Cop popularity pushed that song all the way to the top spot at one point. That's interesting. I wonder how many instrumental soundtrack score songs made it to number one, because I don't know how many. It's definitely Harold Faltermeyer's only <laughs> only hit single. <laughs> yeah. And, and also there's that. And also, don't you forget about me. Simple mm-hmm. Minds was number 18, was one spot below that at the time, which I'm sure that song went higher, too. This it must- was it was on it its did. way down. It okay. it peaked at number one as well. And this was on its like farewell tour. But as, written by uh, the same guy. He just had two songs passing in the night on the Billboard charts. Good for that's, him. That's crazy. We don't know this guy's name until now. This guy had such an impact on the charts in the 80s, yet we're just learning his name right now. We can't even pronounce it. <laughs> oh, I know. Well, it's it just I keep getting messed up by the last name because that makes me think of Mortar's map from like Harry Potter or Mount 
doom and Mordor from, you know, I got fantasy right. on the brain. This was also the uh, the year of Tears for Fears. Because at the time that this peaked at 17, the number one song in America was Tears for Fears, Everybody Wants to Rule the World. But for the entire year of 1985, the number one song of the year was Shout by Tears for Fears. So this was this was definitely Tears for Fears' big year as well. I love them. That's wonderful. Wow, 1985 was pretty awesome. You had all these like puppet fantasy movies. So Matt would bid in his glory, absolute glory. Don't don't even talk about puppets or Muppets around Matt. <laughs> Gets a little excited. I love Muppets too. I love Muppets yeah. too. I get it, Matt. On top of that, Tears for Fears are dominating the charts. That's awesome. This mm-hmm. is Back to the Future. This is Back to the I Future. Was, yeah. I- I was actually thinking the same thing. Yeah. So there probably was some uh, Huey Lewis on the chart somewhere too then. Right. Yeah. Don't you forget about me's on the charts. So that must mean that Breakfast Club is 1985. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Man, good times. Good times in the 80s. I, I don't know. I, I like I think of this time a lot. I, I think of like hair metal and stuff. But I guess that was a few years later before things got ruined by that <laughs> you know because at this time at this time the music seems cool the movies seem weird and cool and i don't know yeah i don't know it seems it yeah. seems like a decent time to me i don't know if the hair metal was infiltrated. i feel like it was around but yeah like i would say by the time you get to 87 that's when it was like poison and white right. lion and you know was it warrant yeah. and it right. got pretty I'd, I'd say right Right Gina. now in 1985, probably like Brett Michaels is stumbling out of the theater after seeing Never Ending Story or Back to the Future and is like, I got an idea for a song. And he like sits down and starts writing like Talk Dirty to Me or something. <laughs> like, okay. like it's it's just it's just about to happen, but it hasn't quite happened. Or maybe yet. a maybe a monster ballad or something. You know? right. I gotta say, I, I I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna hate on a little GNR though. I do enjoy Guns N' Roses every now and then. I know? feel like they barely count. They barely count as hair metal. Oh, I get you. I get you. Because they weren't doing like the full blown spandex makeup, like New York Dolls inspired vibe. They were just kind of plugging in, chugging a bottle of whiskey on stage <laughs> and and just ripping through tunes. But man, their new song sucks. I'm not yeah. sure if you heard that. <laughs> Yeah, it's bad. I haven't. I haven't. But now I will go and listen. Hi, this is Paul Phelps. And this is Monica Strutt. And we're from the Daily Music Business Podcast. We're joined by a number of other really great hosts in creating daily content with great advice for independent musicians just like you. That's right. We put out episodes daily on all topics from music marketing to branding, advice on signing with a manager and label and anything else you need to up-level the business side of your music career. We've got it covered. Subscribe to the Daily Music Business Podcast today on your favorite podcast catcher. Subscribe today to the Daily Music Business Podcast on your favorite podcast platform. I'm not going to lie here. I've become a factor fanatic lately. I'm a busy guy and getting to eat restaurant quality meals that are ready to heat and eat in two minutes has been amazing. Eating better is easy with factors, delicious, ready to eat meals. Every fresh, never frozen meal is chef crafted, dietitian approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You have 35 different options to choose from every week, including calorie smart, protein plus, and keto. 
And also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. I've been spreading the word to everyone I know, not just here on the podcast, but in person as well. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. You get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And the math doesn't lie. Factor is less expensive than takeout. Plus, considering every meal is dietitian approved, it's also nutritious and delicious. So what are you waiting for? Get started today by heading to factormeals.com slash one hit 50 and use the code one hit 50 to get 50% off. That's code one hit 50, the words one hit and the number 50 that is, at factormeals.com slash one hit 50 to get 50% off. It's if you thought Chinese democracy was the worst that you were going to get out of Guns and Roses, they got a they got a surprise for you with their new song. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, what yeah. a bummer! I hate that. Yeah, Matt, I gotta admit something to both of you. I did not dig further into Lamal's solo material before this episode. I should have put it on while I was getting sweaty on the treadmill, but I I didn't. Did either of you listen to any of his other songs? I am embarrassed to say that I didn't. That's so week. we're relying I've been really on busy. Matt. I've just been so busy. The answer, so the answer is <laughs> no, but also the flip side of that is based on his chart sales. No one listened to the other songs okay. that he had to offer. His Spotify plays, his top five Spotify plays are four versions of Never Ending Story. <laughs> and... Nice. Uh, a song that charted uh, peaked at 52 on the Billboard charts when it was released uh, called Only the Love uh, or Only for Love. I think he okay. did well in the UK, if I read correctly. Like I, he had, I think even Neverending Story was a number one in the UK and in other parts of Europe. Actually, it charted its lowest in the States, which is weird because it was, you know, an American movie. <laughs> Yeah, it's really strange. But his sales were never anything incredible. It's honestly like he seems like he's a happy guy, but like there wasn't a whole lot. It was like he he put out this song and it was really big. So he finally put out his his solo album and no one bought it. And then he put out two more albums and no one bought it. And pretty much since 1990, his entire career has been appearing on like retro shows performing this or too shy <laughs> like yeah no and i think he actually tours sometimes with like 80s uh nostalgia type band i i, I saw yeah. that somewhere i read i can't remember who he was who he had toured with you you touched on something important lamal's happiness is very important to me yeah and and as long <laughs> as he's happy or at least seems happy then i'm happy his hit does live on lamal's legacy lives on thanks to a little show called Stranger Things. It got a revitalization in the past few years. Young kids now listen to this song, like this song. I've seen little kids listening to this and liking it and actually listening to Gaten Matarazzo's version of this song. I've talked to you guys about this off mic, but my bandmate in Punchline Steve at some point has played a show with that kid's band. <laughs> I would say Lamal owes a great deal to Gaten Matarazzo for bringing new life to this song and maybe putting a few bucks in Lamal's pocket. So sure. I actually I actually have some fun information about that very topic. Lamal has given a huge shout out 
to Netflix. He said that Netflix has single-handedly revived his career because the inclusion of this song in Stranger Things saw on Spotify 825% increase on the streams. YouTube reported an 800% increase on the views of the original music video. Almost the exact same thing happened to him a year prior when they included the song Too Shy on Black Mirror episode that they had produced. So wow. he, he said, Netflix is keeping my career alive, but he didn't even know that the song was going to be in Stranger Things until his nephews showed him a clip of it happening. That's so. not what I read. I read that he told his nephew while he was driving down the road that, oh, I think my song's going to be in something called Stranger Things. And his nephew freaked out and said, that's amazing. That's huge. The The wiki page, yours is probably a better source because the wiki page is never a good source. The wiki page said he didn't even, he wasn't even aware of it until his nephew showed him the clip on YouTube. I feel like, I mean, maybe if he had a lot of songs that he wouldn't know because of like his publisher would be so busy, but he only has really a couple of them. So I don't know. Well, I like, was wondering, cause you said he didn't write it. So would they even really yeah. need to go through him at all for anything? Or would it just I be through know. the songwriters and the guys who did all the music? It seems like he was a hired gun to sing. You know what I mean? But like I'm, I'm trying to remember, did they actually play the actual track too? After he, after Gaten sang it, did they, if they played the actual track, then yes. I think as he started to sing it, the music started to swell underneath yeah. him and then it was like a sing-along. Mm. Yeah, so who knows? I right. mean, I, I know, I, I haven't... Classic scene many... regardless. Yeah, <laughs> I I know, I mean, and you probably know better than any of us, Chris, but like, I, I know this one guy who co-wrote I Will Survive and, and a few other like really huge Motown things like when he was part of like some like songwriting machine back in the day and right and he will every now and then he'll just get like these giant checks and he doesn't even know where they're coming from until he reads what it's for so and sometimes it's like sampling from like rappers and things like that and right I always well, that's, yeah that's where the money is that's where the money is for sure i think chris and i talked about this last time i was in pittsburgh but i, I always remember uh, i'm friends with the guitarist of this band, Goaty Hook. Every once in a while, he'll post a picture that'll just be a check from MTV for about a dollar fifty cents, and it, <laughs> he always just says, "Looks like they replayed the episode of Road, Road Rules that features one of my songs." <laughs> and I think, nice. I think yeah. there was something similar that you had, Chris, with with in Van Wilder, too. Oh yeah, but those Van Wilder two checks, they. <laughs> They're like, what, 75 cents every time it's yeah. on Comedy Central yeah. or something? Yeah, something like that. I got really excited a few weeks back because I got a I got an envelope from sag After and I was like, what is this? I opened it up and it was like a European royalty check for a Lifetime movie I did like 10 years ago. And I was it was like 40 bucks. But I was like, ah, cool. I put it's the nice. gas in my car. You know, it, was a, yeah. it wasn't like the five cent ones that some, you know, some people because, yeah, actors, we, the same thing happens with actors, too. You get like right. checks for five cents. And what are you going to do with that? Yeah. I mean, I've gotten the checks for eight cents before. But also, to Heidi's point, I have gotten the ASCAP checks that were like, Hundred and twenty dollars, and I'm like, nice. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just it's like, a nice surprise. It's just like, yeah, it's like a magic little envelope of money that I get every once in a while, and yeah, you get get groceries one time or yeah, something. Yeah, it's kinda, exactly. It's kind of nice, and I know you could com- people could complain about it only being that much, but hey, I'll never complain about free money. No. When we're talking about 
uh, the never ending story. I want to bring it back to the movie for a second because I feel like this gives us a chance to talk about the movie. We all are in agreement that we love this movie, right? Yep. Absolutely. Okay. If this movie came out right now or we saw it for the first time right now, would we love it? I think think so. I think I would. The 80s were probably the top point in doing like kids movies that really didn't even remotely talk down to kids. So I think that if it was exactly how it was now, you'd look at it through the same lens that you'd look at like a Pixar movie where you're like, man, this movie's not shying away from like what it's saying in a deeper way. I think the 90s were really bad with kids movies being watered down for kids. Give me an example. I, I just think that like the 90s, the late 80s and the 90s, you're starting to get like, the Care Bears movie, like Fern Gully, like you're getting these movies where I like them, but they're very they're they're not really designed with the mindset of like anyone of any age is gonna be able to enjoy this and pull like a message out of it. Like it's like, no, this is definitely we're talking down to the kids about what we're trying to I Fern Gully's not even the best example because it's like no. actually talking about like environmentalism. Environment, yeah. But but there was like a period, even like Disney got real bad towards like the late nineties after like they had that second Renaissance peak where they just started to like phone it in again. <laughs> like Home on the Range comes to mind as like a really bad one. I think I would like it. The only thing I would be in my mind, I wonder if they made the if they made Neverending Story now, would they have used as many practical effects? Because I think the practical effects are actually the best part. All the puppeteering and stuff. Would Falcor have been CG? Instead I'm assuming of... Chris is saying that we get the movie exactly as it is. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah oh, okay. we get it exactly okay. as it is. But yeah, I'm surprised they haven't tried to do that yet. They, they haven't might. tried to remake this movie yet. I think Stranger Things is good. It is. You know, I I mean, I think, you know, sometimes I'm like, eh, the story's not the the best, but I, I'm entertained the whole time. I think it's good. And people will argue. Then I'll watch other things that come out i'll give you a perfect example and i saw a bunch of people saying like oh this was so good and i put on this i put on this fear street oh it was movies kind of dumb that was trash that was pure (laughs) trash that was so poorly made and poorly written and like why did people like that and say it was good because i was ready to be like oh this is going to be like uh whatever campy but still good it was riverdale but no it was just bad it was was just riverdale as a wow. horror series. Yeah, you don't need to. I even <laughs> thought Riverdale was okay. I'm kind of on the same page as you, Chris, though, as Stranger Things, because people were just like, this is so good. And I was like, it's really, yeah, it's good. You know, like I was never <laughs> yeah, it's good. completely blown away by it, but I was like, yeah, it's compelling. I, I definitely want to see what happens. But <laughs> I, I don't get all, all excited, but I think it's good, though. You mm-hmm. know, I, I see the, the merit in it mm-hmm. being a thing that, you know, for kids, but also adults can appreciate or whatever. But uh, yeah, some things I just, I don't, I can't get past the the stupidness of it. That Fear Street <laughs> being one of those things. Uh, anyway, that, th- back to, to this song. I don't know what to think about Lamal. It seems like he was two for two as far as the songs that I know, you know? He had yeah. his moment for sure. Yeah, that, I, I still kind of go back to wondering about that press release that he put out after he got kicked out of the band though and like it makes me go oh you know in the entertainment industry there are a lot of narcissistic personality disorder uh, like uh, well there are a lot of people with narcissistic personality disorder i'm like is he one who has that 
I don't know. Like it could, you know, anyone in the band could have something like that. But I would say, especially in 1983, when we weren't acknowledging that that was a thing, he yeah. almost definitely had one. <laughs> Lead singers, man. No, but not all of them. You know what I mean? Like it just, it's hit or miss. The same thing with actors and actresses. And He actually got his start as an actor. Uh, oh, before he, he started doing music, he did a tour. Was it Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat? Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat by Andrew Lloyd Webber. He did a tour of England with that and appeared in a few TV shows and was even an extra in the music video for Stand and Deliver by Adam and the Ants before he got his start in music. Look at you with all your trivia. My goodness, I didn't know that. I didn't think that it was one guy at first. I thought it was like... At least I thought it was kind of like Roxette or something. Yeah. It was like two people. Until I did the research, it didn't even click in my head that his stage name is literally just an anagram of his last name, Hamill. I'm just catching up with you now <laughs> that you say that. <laughs> yeah, his, it was, his real name is Christopher Hamill, and he just took his last mm-hmm. name and rearranged the letters and said, Lamal, that's more marketable than Hamill. No offense, Mark. <laughs> Yeah, he don't want to. He don't want to compete with Mark. Yeah, this was not. This was not a time in history where you wanted to be competing with that guy. Definitely not. Definitely. Not. I don't know. What do you guys think? Are we giving? Are, are we giving Lamal a thunder pass here? Or is this a blunder? I don't know. I. It's, uh, for the song. We didn't dig, none of us dug into the rest none of the song. None of us dug That's into the his problem. Catalog, but you know what? Even ignoring the back catalog, there's been a handful of songs, Chris, where you and I have just been like. Just the the fact that he got this one out there, but oh man, no, because then the flip side is he had nothing to do with it beyond, you know what, I'm actually, (laughs) so the song Never Ending Story, I'm saying Thunder All The Way. Lamal though, I'm going Blender here. He didn't write the song. I still think that the female vocals by Beth Anderson are more predominant in the actual mix than his actual vocals. And he really didn't do much with his career after this. I mean, I haven't listened to his other songs, but like, even then I feel like this song is more of a Beth Anderson song written by somebody else. Oh man. Wow. I'm kind of in agreement with you, but I, I, you know, I completely forgot that that was part of what you guys do for this thing is, is like listening to the other songs too. So I well, we didn't do it either. Yeah. I'm so sorry. I think Neverending Story is a great song, and it wouldn't sound the same without him. And who? I mean, how we don't know. Yeah, of course he didn't write it, but how involved was he with the producing of it? You know, I don't know who produced it. You know, and and uh, mm. the arrangements and things. Also, I need to give a shout out to the sitar in there because I don't know if it's an actual sitar if it's just a synthesizer but i love that little part how why is that fantasy ish i don't know but it's awesome i think matt has a pretty good point here and heidi i would guess that this entire thing now this is unfair of me maybe (laughs) to assume this but i would assume that lamal just came in and sang this thing oh snap and if i'm wrong if i'm proved wrong then I will reverse my position. But I think I got to go with Matt on this, that this song is thunder all the way. Mm. Big props to whoever these guys are. Yeah. Giorgio and and Keith Beth Anderson and Beth Beth. Anderson, like Matt said, Mm -hmm. but Lamal seems to not be that important in this. And maybe they were just being like Lamal had that too shy. It's probably still being played on the radio. It's like a year and a half later. 
the song was a hit and they were just trying to they wanted to put a face to it. they needed some sort of name attached to this song from this soundtrack to this strange puppet fantasy movie uh <laughs> you know they weren't going to get john cougar mellencamp to do it they weren't getting springsteen to do it uh they had to get someone attached to it with some sort of notoriety and i think lamal was just the guy at that moment he had just been kicked out of his band and yeah, I think that Lamal is a blunder, yeah. but I think the song is a thunder. Uh, I just confirmed. So Giorgio did produce as well as write the song. Okay. okay. Um, and also, just throwing this out there, clicked into his page just out of curiosity. Uh, since we were talking about, man, this Giorgio guy seems like seems like he is someone that we should know more of. He actually has been given the nickname the father of disco. That's cool. Because he wrote many songs for Donna Summer, including I Feel Love, The Last Dance, Hot Stuff, Bad Girls, and MacArthur Park. He's awesome. He's the magic behind the song. You could have grabbed any vocalist from another one hit wonder new wave band. And I feel like I'd still be like never ending story rips. I, I, I hate to do that to them all, but I, I think that I'm going to do that to them all. Did you, look, did you watch <laughs> yeah. the music video too? He kind of has the David Bowie, like a uh, labyrinth hairdo. So, in it. <laughs> so if Jonathan was here, cause I don't know who this person is. <laughs> um, and I don't think any of us read comics on the level that uh, Jonathan does. But uh, I did read that Lamal was the inspiration for the Marvel X-Men character wow. Longshot, okay. uh, specifically in the way he styles his hair. All right. So he did have some sort okay. of impact, I guess. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry, Lamal. We love you, Lamal. Oh, no. We do. We do. Lamal's going to be so pissed when he listens to this episode. Because <laughs> he's totally yeah. going yeah. to listen to it. Because it's going to be a total bait and switch. It's going to be 35 minutes of us being like, man, Lamal's great. And then it comes time to talk about one hit wonder, one hit blunder. And we're like, you know what? Fuck Lamal. You know what, though? Like, no, I think, he, I think he is great. I don't know. He is. But... Give any of us the success of Too Shy and then Never Ending Story. And I think right? that we could have followed that up with some more hits. That's all I'm saying. Since he was gifted never-ending story, the skies <laughs> yes. opened up and said, you, sir, are going to be the one to ride this train yeah. <laughs> to the stratosphere. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Now I wish I had done even more research than I did. Lamal, you're a blunder. I still love the song. Yeah. <laughs> well, Heidi, while, while we have you on here, though, Heidi, obviously you've got a short film that's continuing to yeah. pop up and play at different film festivals and... You know, get constant. You won some awards recently in North Carolina, I believe. Is South that correct? Carolina, South Carolina. Yes. One of the Carolinas. I was close. I could have said Georgia. Well, the one that I'm from. The <laughs> South Carolina. The only the one, one that, that matters, I'm Matt. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm only giving Matt a hard time because we've been friends for a while. So <laughs> He deserves a hard time. Yes. Thank you for bringing up the film. It's called Chasing Fletcher Allen. It's, yeah, it's doing yeah, it's doing well. Uh, the festivals that it plays, it usually gets some recognition. And we won Best Short Film at the um, Reedy Reels Film Festival in Greenville, South Carolina, which is my hometown. The cool part was that the people running the festival didn't know who I was or anything like from before. So it was pretty cool to, to be able to come back and showcase it. And we won we won Best Comedy Short at uh, Lady Filmmakers Festival. And Phil Lamar, who's in our film, won Best Supporting Actor, and I've gotten a few 
best actress nomination so it's fun yeah it's it's cool yeah jonathan directed it and co-wrote it with me and we produced it together nice. but i also i'm a singer I, I don't like write songs and stuff so i feel like i'm kind of qualified to be on this show sort of i've done a lot of musical theater and stuff so do you think you could have done <laughs> a good as good a job as beth anderson Ooh, i don't know you know i think my voice is a little higher than hers but maybe if i you know I met with my coach and trained a little nice. bit and yeah, nice. yeah, I would have tried, but her performance was really yeah. good and it wouldn't have sounded the same. It wouldn't, it would have been, it would have sounded like my right. voice instead of right. her voice. Oh, wait, wait, did you give, did you give Lamal, did you, you gave Lamal a thunder or did you say he's, a, yeah. did I, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I just feel like I need more information. Okay. I don't want to say, <laughs> undecided. You know, I don't You're know. Undecided. Yeah. I, I definitely give the song a thunder. Okay. We all and gave the song a thunder. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. But as far as Lamal goes, I don't want to. I, I would need to see more evidence before I make my decision. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. That's You're a hung and jury it, when it comes to Lamal. Indeed. <laughs> well, in, yes. Uh, in, clothing, in closing, I would like to tell you, Heidi, well, that I hope you reach the stars, fly a fantasy, dream a dream, and what you see will be. This has been One Hit Thunder. One Hit Thunder is hosted by Chris Fafalios of the band's Punchline Pack and Another Cheat-In produced by Matt Kelly of Geekscape.net. Underneath me, you're hearing No Stopping Us off the Punchline album Thrilled. Visit punchline.com for merch, new music, and upcoming shows. If you have any interest in podcasting, visit weknowpodcasting.com for how Chris and I can make your show sound as professional as possible. Let us know your thoughts on the show by emailing us at onehitthunderpodcast at gmail.com. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting app. And tune in next week for another episode of One Hit Thunder. Hi, this is Chad Nicefield. And this is Justin Press. We're the host of Making Waves, the Shiprock Podcast, a part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. We're inviting you to sail away with us on an epic journey in musical enlightenment. Every week, we bring you only the best artists in rock music and discuss everything from the cruise to the stage to the saga of being a professional recording artist. We'll have lots of special guests along the way, so tune in every week. Your stateroom is available every Monday morning, so welcome aboard. Hey, what's up? This is Blake Wyland. I'm the host of the Tone Mob podcast. It's a show where I interview guitar people about guitar stuff. We talk about their pedals, their amps, their accessories, their preferences, all that stuff, as well as a healthy dose of whatever comes up. Topics have ranged from aliens to addiction and anywhere in between. Oh yeah, and pizza. We're definitely going to be talking about pizza. So get the show wherever you're listening to this podcast at. Just search The Tone Mob in your search bar and it will pop right up. Come join us. We're having a lot of fun. Thanks for checking it out.